What yes. a week. This week was like a year. I know. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. Happy New Year, everybody. I feel like we should start with the text we got from Anna on Sunday. Um, I had no idea that was going on, so I was glad you brought my attention to it. So a few days ago, it was Monday Night Football, a young man from the Buffalo Bills team, he's the safety, DeMar Hamlin, collapsed on the field, what looked like a regular play, and he immediately got up afterwards only to fall again and not get up. And the TV announcers think from that angle that someone's just gotten injured, will go to commercial break while they attend to whoever it is. Then I guess the people that were actually there, they're just like, whoa, what is happening? And it looks like it's looking serious and you could hear a pin drop in that stadium full of Bills and Bengals fans who only minutes before were complete rivals probably heckling each other because this was the biggest game of the year that people flew out for. You know, we're betting on and then next thing you know, something's very different and it's very scary what's happening on the field. Football players are in complete distress and then the sports anchors informing us that CPR is taking place. And then the field reporters saying they've never seen this before. And then the sportscasters were looking so grim. And then an ambulance comes, takes them away. And we're like, this is so serious. And then some people are like, but this is a big game. Are they going to postpone this? And they do. You know, watching it back, I can't imagine what it was like to be there or even in your shoes, Anna, watching it. And to see the sportscasters were getting teared up, they throw it to this woman and she's like, you know, she's just going to tell you everything that happened where she was. And just like nobody really knew what to do or say. It was crazy. For this generation, it, it's completely unprecedented. And, and thank God it, it, it only happened once before something of that magnitude. And unfortunately, the person did pass away on the field. It was uh, back in the 70s, I believe. It was a Detroit mm-hmm. Lions player. But you know, that was so long ago that nobody, either in broadcasting or fandom or uh, some players, mm-hmm. remember it happening. I've been reading some things about the people who were on the field at the time. They're they're all in their 80s. So, yeah, it, it absolutely felt unprecedented. I was not actually watching the game. I was working so, but I was, because I was working, I was following Twitter and, you know, real-time reactions to things. And it was, it really was like nothing else. I mean, it just stopped and nothing but prayers and praying for him and nothing but good thoughts toward him. And the other thing is reading, I mean, there's so much to say about this, but I want to start with the reactions of the people within the fandom. I was just a few minutes ago reading an account of a woman who was at the game, a Buffalo Bills fan who had flown to Cincinnati for the game, because like Anna said, it it was a big game within the context of football. I mean, this whole thing has put everything in perspective, but within the context of football, this was a big game and it was worth flying to Cincinnati for. And yes, they were rivals and yelling at each other and all that kind of stuff. But she talked about being a person in the stands and not someone who listens to the radio during the game, but just watches it. They had no idea what was going on. I mean, they could see, they saw the CPR, they saw the ambulance, they saw the the prayers, the, everybody kneeling, including the referees. They saw all of that going on. So they knew something horrible had happened, but there were no announcements, nobody on the PA, nothing at all like that. And then suddenly they came on and said that the game was over and, you know, people should leave. And people very slowly filed out. And she said, because they were wearing their Bills gear, they got just 
random hugs and and well wishes from Bengals fans and just people saying they're going to pray and and just talking about it. Um, and I saw a number of people had gone to the hospital for a candlelight vigil that night for him. Um, and they were they were Bengals fans. There were people wearing their Bengals outfits with the eye black and the whole thing. Like they were all <laughs> geared up for the game. But they took the time to go down to the medical center and and wait out there and hold a vigil for him. Somebody they don't know, just a, a football player from the other team, and not even a not a household name. Not to denigrate it, everybody's life is valuable, but it was just like just a twenty four year old young man who could be anybody's son, anybody's son at any time. Um, and and it was a work related injury, you know, when you think about it. And so just really. I was so heartened by that. And here we are four days later and happy to report that he is making significant progress too. So it, it it's good to be able to look back on this and see all the good and not have the shroud of, of him having passed away from it. You know, I mean, he's not yeah. cured, but he's he's on the road. And so thank God we can be able to say that at least for now. Two things that stood out to me was it was clearly a good hit, and it wasn't his head because we've had so much focus on the head injuries. Right. And then, like you said, Claire, the unity of the teams and that nothing at that time mattered except the one thing. And although we hate tragedies like this, it always is so awe-inspiring when you see people come together after the last few years we've had Mm -hmm. and all the division we've had in our country— to see this happen, it just gave me this ray of hope. Yeah. Which is why I got so angry when people were then using it for political gain. <laughs> that was weird. Uh, yes. But before we go there, can we talk more <laughs> about the good? Um, a small town guy from, Pitt- from Pittsburgh, but like a suburb of Pittsburgh. Many athletes have charities for that they call home. He had a, a charity of a very small home for children that he wanted to raise enough money to buy toys for the kids there. His goal was twenty five hundred dollars. But the, from the moment he went down and people were reading up on him and knew about him, people started donating to his charity. Everyday people, fans, other athletes, sportscasters, and today they've raised more than five million dollars. <laughs> That's a lot of toys. Wow. And man, that heartens me. That heartens me so Mm -hmm. much. But I was reminded that a couple of years ago, there was a Cincinnati Bengals player that was, well, a couple of them. There was a a player whose daughter was diagnosed with cancer. And then there was another player who was ill. And again, it was, and I don't remember why, it must have been game related. But again, it was Buffalo Bills fans who had made a major, made a point of telling people about this guy's charity. So... As great rivalries go, these Buffalo Cincinnati fans sure <laughs> have found that they're they're not Raider Seahawks fans, that's for sure. You know, um, I mean, they've really discovered the good in rivalry. Um, so, so yeah, I I love that story about the charities and big like like Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, who you know, in my view, is like Scrooge gave a couple you know thousands of dollars to the wow. to um, Hamlet's charity. So. Yeah, that that was a nice story. And has anybody as of today uh, seen his progress? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the what I heard was that 
he is able to respond to commands and answer questions, which means the neuro, there's not a lot of neuro, there's not the extent of neurological damage that they feared. Doesn't mean there isn't some, but there is definitely good neurological process in terms of his ability to move his hands and feet and understand questions and answer them and I believe on recognize who people are. Awesome. How are you feeling now, Anna? Because this was a big deal and you watched all the news. I mean, you really followed this. You know, uh, I wanted to follow up what Claire said. Uh, I'll tell you in a sec to answer your question, but I saw this tweet about his progress and I'm trying to find it because I saw it this morning and it was really funny. (laughs) I mean, not funny, but just kind of cool because he had woken up, like Claire had said, and he asked something. So I can't find it, but so he basically asked, did the Bills win? Did we win? (laughs) (laughs) To the doctor. And the doctor says, yes, you won the game of life. (laughs) (laughs) That day, it was traumatizing. Mm -hmm. And I think it was more telling when you're actually seeing the players just a wreck. And then the the people that were on the sidelines witnessing what they were seeing and noticing, my God, this is different what is happening, this is bad, you know, and and then the the actual video of it is really hard to see. So, of course, YouTube was all over it. And then you realize, my God, this is one of the worst things because like his uncle who was interviewed outside of the hospital said yesterday, he died twice. We saw it on that video. He had died because his heart had stopped they revived him. Thank God there are people that did CPR right away. You would expect that at a, at a football game, uh, mm-hmm. at an NFL game. His uncle said he died there on the field. They revived him. His heart stopped again at the hospital, which we didn't know. And they did CPR again. Then the protocol was to keep him sedated so that his body could fully recover. That's the best way to do it so that his heart and his lungs weren't doing any more work than they needed while he's pretty much asleep. When it was all happening and days after, it was more than football. It was about a young man fighting for his life. Mm-hmm. You know, we see these athletes as entertainers, as these these machines that can withstand everything. But then you're seeing all these players in huge distress. You know, mm-hmm. people who are they're accustomed to, to seeing or withstanding injury. And they were an emotional wreck because they were caring for their brother. And everyone, every football player, retired or currently playing football NFL players were calling him a brother and they were saying mm-hmm. brotherhood. And, and that was just an amazing thing to see. But I, I, I was curious, Claire, I don't know if your brother is back in the States or not, the cardiologist, but if he had anything to say about it when we didn't know really why he collapsed in the first place. Um, my brother, see, other brother that's in Italy. My oh, other, oh, oh. yeah, my brother who's a don't I don't expect you to have my whole family memorized, Anna. Uh, <laughs> my brother who's a cardiologist, he lives in Atlanta, and I have not had a chance to talk to him about this. But ESPN had a very interesting article from a cardiologist who is not treating Hamlin, so we can't say a hundred percent certain this what this is what it is. But his assumption is that it was something called commotio cordis. 
which is a, literally a, a, a blow to the chest. And, and this is what he called it, quote, the astounding thing about commotio cordis is that it's a blow that is timed exactly to a 30 millisecond window. It's an extremely rare, he called it luck of the draw, for lack of a better term. And he said there are typically fewer than 30 cases of it nationwide. And But here's the thing. In sports, usually this type of thing is, it doesn't happen in football. It usually happens in baseball or in hockey when the object hits the player's chest in a place that's not padded and literally stops the heart. It's cardiac arrest, ventricular fibrillation. It just, boom, it just stops the heart at that moment. And it, and the timing has to be exact for it to happen. Football, they wear so much padding, this doctor says, it's even more rare for it to happen to a football player. It was just a freak freak thing. And it has nothing to do with pre-existing conditions or anything like that. It's not a heart attack. It's not cardiac disease. It's literally a punch to the heart in the wrong place at the wrong time. And again, this is his speculation based on his experience and, and all of that kind of stuff. So it, when you consider that, I mean, yeah, football is a really dangerous sport. A lot of stuff can happen. But th I don't think this should be held up as the example of football being dangerous because what a strange, horrible, tragic thing to happen. Like you yeah. said, a millisecond. Like it had to be mm -hmm. the exact perfect timing. Yeah, I mean, really just, just crazy. Because your assumption is, is and, and the player that I alluded to earlier, the football player that passed away on the field in the 70s, did have a history of cardiac disease. That was more like a, a more typical heart attack or something like this. This was not a heart attack. This was like literally his heart just stopped. Like you said, his father said he just died. And when you watch the video, it doesn't look like much. It definitely looks like he went down. Yeah. But, you know, football players go down all the time. If they if they stand up and they go, oh, that hurts, they're kind of trained to go down so that the clock stops and they can get the medical field out there and all that kind of stuff. So there was nothing about it that looked particularly urgent when it happened, except for then suddenly they're waving the train, you know, the first guy to him got everybody over there quickly. But also his mother was there. I mean, can, oh. I can't even imagine. Oh. They, they pretty quickly got her and they wouldn't let her on the field, but they, they got her down there and she was able to ride in the ambulance with him and all that kind of stuff. But I, I just, you know, she's probably watched, been watching him play football since he was five years old, you know. That was the first right. thing that, that crossed my mind was his family must be a, a wreck. Yeah. I mean, extreme turmoil. Um, I, and I, I wonder if th this, this had so much traction on so many levels looking back on it. I, I wonder if that was a thing that just really got everyone. I mean, everyone, you know, right. not just athletes or, you know, soccer moms or anything like that. Like everyone was so impacted by this Monday night event. Right. And it does, you know, people were kind of dogging on the NFL, like, oh, they should have called the game sooner. There's so much hindsight you can do with this. Nobody knew what to do. And wow. the coaches were talking to each other. I mean, they were talking to each other anyway, not about the game, but just about the fact that they weren't going to continue, right? I mean, I think they knew, maybe not within five minutes, but certainly within 20 minutes watching the, the poor young man get CPR on the field. I think they all knew they weren't going to continue playing the game. And and there's all this spec, you know, everyone's, oh, the NFL's cold-hearted and all this stuff. It's so easy to have hindsight 
and say what should have happened. But when you're talking about something that's literally unprecedented, I don't think the NFL is just a collection of human beings, right? You may not like Roger Goodell and the things that he does, but he's just a human being, right? And it was really just watching and waiting to to see what what was going to happen. Now, I'm sure in the minds of the players and coaches, there was no question they weren't going to continue. But having that conversation, and we don't know, they're all private conversations, what really happened there. But, you know, they've decided at this point, and outside the context of football, it's completely unimportant. But within the context of football, it was an important game, right? And so it determines who could go to the Super Bowl. Both of these teams are absolute contenders for it. And at this point, they're not going to play the game this week. They're just going to move on to the next game. They may have to play this game again. Both teams are going to play this weekend, other opponents. So in some sense, they do have to move on, or they are choosing to move on. Um, it's really... Uh, it's really complicated, you know, and leaving aside the money and the bets and gambling and Caesar's Palace and all of that stuff, all of the industry that goes into that, just leaving all of that aside. Think about all the work that all of these men have put in all season to get to this point. And you've got to be conflicted, right? Like, you know that what happened is so much bigger than the game, but there's also a part of you that's like, this is my life. And my focus and my passion and how does this get resolved? You know, that's got to be confusing for people. Definitely. It confused Skip Bayless. Yeah, it did. Who who didn't know how to read the room. No. <laughs> it confused a guy in my fantasy league. There was a, a, another player. He had a player from the Cincinnati Bengals on his fantasy team. And within like maybe 30 minutes of all, not two minutes, but like 30 minutes when it was clear this man was possibly dying. I got this note saying, well, congratulations, I guess you won the game. Oh, I'm like, oh, my God, what a jerk you are. He's a jerk anyway, this guy. So you <laughs> I've been surprised. Deal- been dealing with him being a jerk all- for like five years in this league, but no. But this was really like beyond jerky, yeah. you know. Come on, I'm man. Kinda, I'm going to email the commissioner and see if we can dump him next year because, I don't know, maybe I'm overreacting, but I think, like, what a jerk, you know. Um, no, I, I don't think anyway. you're overreacting. I mean, yeah, but- um, yeah w- what's happening with Skip Bayless? Yeah, who- fill us in on that because I didn't follow that at yeah, all. Yeah, please. Okay, so he tweets on when it's happening while he's still on the field. He tweets, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. Oh my gosh, he got so much. People were so mad at him for this. Everyone's like saying, we need to cancel Skip Bayless ASAP and how insensitive can you be and blah, blah, blah. We're not surprised. We've talked about him before when he said what he said about Dak Prescott after Dak's brother had taken his life and Skip making football a priority rather than the human side of Dak Prescott. Well, this is another, another situation and he did the same thing. He made football the priority and not the human side of this football player who was fighting for his life. When he tweeted that, the next day, he (laughs) shows up on his show Undisputed, but his co-host did not show up, uh, Shannon Shannon Sharp. Who's a player. uh, Also a former player. 
And oh. everyone was speculating he didn't show up because of that tweet. Skip Bayless, he was apologetic for what he called a widely misconstrued tweet that sparked the outrage, right? And when you listen to his uh, video, you know, his apologies, he's sounding like he's remorseful. To me, he did. He was like breathing hard. My husband didn't buy it, <laughs> but I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Then Shannon shows up the following morning, his opening monologue, he goes, Skip tweeted something. Hopefully Skip will take it down. Skip interrupts and says, Time out. I'm not going to take it down because I stand by what I tweeted. Okay, so Skip apologizes Tuesday. And Wednesday, he says he sticks by his tweet. Which is it, Skip? My husband thought you were faking that remorse on Tuesday and I gave you the benefit of the doubt. Next day, you proved your garbage. But I don't want to say that. <laughs> Some people just didn't seem to be playing nice about it. Most people were really... I couldn't believe I was watching Fox News that was covering most of it more than CNN. Tell me about that. You yeah. you sent out a you sent out a message saying I can't believe I watched this this broadcaster. You didn't tell us who it was, but okay. it was something you can't stand. But they were doing a good job. <laughs> I will be honest. I I cannot stand Laura Ingram. Oh, she's uh, horrible. She's oh, she's just, the worst. She's a yeah. piece of work. Yeah. But she dedicated I think her entire show on a Damar. Hamlin update and the fact that prayers, the outpouring of prayers all over and interviewed a doctor and, and then, and then interviewed somebody about the football side of it. Why do you think they didn't call the game sooner? Blah, 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 blah. But she was actually human and nice. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm watching your show for this long. <laughs> right. Because remember, she's, you know, Miss Shut Up and Dribble. And here she is caring about a football player, a person right. who she seems like she would never support ever in her life. And she did. And I will give her, pro you know what? I will, I will say thank you. Good job being a, a good person. You know, this, this continues. <laughs> this falls into my theory um, that... 98% of the broadcasters on Fox and other other places where yeah, there's like a hot take don't actually believe anything that they say that they're all actors that they're 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 entertainers more than they're journalists I mean we know that anyway but I can remember seeing you know John Stewart did this kind of expose on Glenn Beck who like was this conservative icon and he showed all these videos of him being a liberal icon like but it didn't pay right it's it you make more money when you're a conservative icon because Fox News is just a juggernaut so I, I've often thought that all of most of those guys, Hannity and, and, and you know, Laura Ingram and, and all of those people don't actually buy their own stuff. They just say it because it sells. So that your what you're just saying falls into my theory that she's actually <laughs> a good person with a brain in her head, um, you know. But yeah. now we have to, now I, I can't go any longer without talking about Tucker Carlson because um, mm. he is he's the one percent of that I'm talking about that that I think really is a piece of crap. He immediately, immediately, like the next day, was going into a conspiracy theory that it was the COVID vaccination that caused Damar Hamlin's heart problem. What? Just, mm -hmm. I composed this giant, nasty Facebook post, and then I took it down because I'm trying so hard to be positive on Facebook and not negative on Facebook. Plus, I didn't want to give the guy any more FaceTime. But, um, I mean, come on. Let, let's just... 
put aside whether or not you believe that the vaccine contributes to heart issues. Just put that away for a second. And let's again talk about the timing and the necessity of it. You are using that to make your own political gain conversation. It has nothing to do with the welfare of that young man. Yeah, it's unbelievable. That's all I can say is that they would go there. Yeah, it's just crazy. And Laura Ingram didn't bring that up, did she? I don't think she did. I, I, Good. I but I maybe I just didn't pay attention to all of her show. No, but, you would you would have noticed um, it if she had. I would have because she it. because yeah. she probably didn't get the idea until she heard Tucker Carlson say it the next day. I don't know if she's talked about it since because I don't like you said I don't watch her show. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, that 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 is a a huge irresponsible thing if that's your career to just entertain something that you know is wrong you know right i mean journalism when you take jake school classes i i I mean i thought at least in our school we had ethics (laughs) in journalism and that was a huge thing like it wasn't just this small little class that was part of your learning not even just 101 201 301 i mean mm-hmm. everything and you have the ethics has to be there and the responsibility because the impact that you make can determine how people are going to behave or react or choose whether or not they're going to do a crime take somebody's life or hurt somebody seriously you are responsible and you or and or a group of your, or your company, you are responsible. You could determine what's going to happen next, the way you say it. And that that's, I can't believe that some people, including the, the major media outlets, forgot this stuff that they, you learned in J school. Come on, dudes. You, uh, you have just summed up the United States of America in the last four years <laughs> without even yeah. probably realizing that you did. Somebody Mm -hmm. saying irresponsible, incorrect, unfactual things in such a way and in so many ways that a group of people comes together and thinks it's okay to commit crimes. (laughs) I mean, Anna, you you should be Times Man Mm -hmm. of the Year. You just said what Mm -hmm. it was. But let me step back a second. In my view, and again, this is Claire's opinion. Follow me on Twitter, Claire Beverly Radio. Or no, just Claire Beverly. Um, I, the people that you're watching on Fox and CNN and MSNBC, majority of them, they're not journalists. They're entertainers. They're entertainers. They're not journalists. They're pundits. They might have a journalism background, but their job there is to spin and give you background and give you this and give you that. It's to give you opinions, not facts. So the top and the bottom of the hour on Fox News, you're going to get facts and it's all true. But the other 28 minutes of, of, or no, I guess it would be 56 minutes, is just spin, right? And they're not obligated to tell you the truth. That's my opinion. Oh, man. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I, maybe I don't watch enough of it. God knows I've watched enough of it over the years, but I've stopped watching it because it's too frustrating to to watch a pundit on one show say sp- literally a pundit on one show on Fox will speculate on something. And on the next show, they will cite that first pundit's speculation as fact. Well, according uh. to Bill O'Reilly, this happened. No, it didn't. Bill O'Reilly's 
speculated that. And now that you're on the Tucker Carlson show, you're saying that, right? I mean, over and over and over again, they do that stuff. And if you say something often enough, people will listen to it. Uh, well, pe- people will believe it. And it, it's CNN does it and, and, and MSNBC that they all do it, right? Yeah. Um, it's frustrating to watch. You know what we need? There has to be something, I don't know if, it, if it's an app or maybe just a pair of glasses. And so when, <laughs> when you watch TV, your uh-huh. pair of glasses will say wrong, fail, you know, right. error, <laughs> to let you know the moment it said that it is, it is garbage. I just, we just need this in our lives. We just need that in our lives. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we do. And, Bull- and, oh, bullshit and, glasses. And then put on the, you know, the, like in the bottom, a scroll on the bottom, this person actually did graduate from journalism school over the University of Missouri, <laughs> right. Columbia. You know? right. <laughs> How about the politician, uh, the East Coast politician who like lied on his resume and lied like... George Santos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> God, I, I'm just I gonna just, make crap up. I, I, when that was happening, I had so many questions, and I really wanted to call you. Ah, <laughs> uh, he, he was—he is not Jewish. He's what did he He's, say? <laughs> I forget what he said. Uh, and he was Jew ishy. Jew ishy. That's it. Jewishy. Jew- <laughs> Jew- <laughs> oh, oh my god. What a piece oh of work. Gosh. I used to do a back in one of my many jobs a million years ago, I worked in human resources and one of the things that I got to do was fact check people's resumes. So I would I had to like call oh, yeah. colleges and see if people really graduate have MBA. You know, it was all MBAs. Everybody's got an MBA, right? No. Like, no, none of them had them. No MBAs. They might have gone and taken a couple of classes, but they certainly didn't have the degree and jobs. People lie about where they worked. Oh my God. This was a long time ago. So wow. it was fun. See, you needed to be the one to... F- <laughs> yeah. Where were I could have I could have vetted Santos. Right? Yeah, you could have You would have called him out right away. <laughs> Go to no Sesco. <laughs> but I'm sure, look, I'm sure he's not the only one. I'm sure there are plenty of people... He that said that. On, ...on both sides of the aisle that we've elected that have lied about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but at this so day and age <laughs> that they don't think they'll get caught... That's yeah. what blows me away. True that, Lori. How do you think you're not going to get caught? <laughs> right. Some, well, just someone's got to look. I think we just all assume the truth. I think we all assume we get a resume and just assume it's all true. Why would anyone make stuff up? But now I think people are going <laughs> to really be looking, you know? <laughs> George, you ruined it for so many people who are going to lie in the resume. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Wow. Oh. What a week. And that's not even everything. There's so much more that happened this week. But that's, that's just all we've had time for. <laughs> I know. In fact, uh, Barbara Walters, which just got oh, pushed great. under, she deserves oh. a little, you know, credit. And then, of course, I was like, how do we not know the Pope died? But then I realized it was the retired Pope, not the current Pope, because right. I'm not Catholic, so I yeah. didn't know. But Claire <laughs> set me straight. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah, it is. You know, it is uh, shocking to hear something like that when you see the headline, a pope has died. And mm-hmm. I because usually there's that. a a huge like it's a huge deal when a when a pope dies. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot a lot that goes into it. Um, yeah. But yeah, they had they had asked for prayers for him um, right after Christmas. 
And mm-hmm. um, the current pope, you know, went to see him and all that kind of stuff. And then he passed away a couple days later. And they, they're doing stuff for him. But it's sort of, again, unprecedented because no popes ever retired before. So there wasn't really a plan in place for how one treats the emeritus pope. But they uh, but they did. Mm-hmm. They had quite a few things for him. And he'll be buried there. And um, the current pope's in decent health, as far as I know. I don't know how old he is. I can't remember. He's kind of a perky guy. He's yeah. More, yeah. He's a little more uh, modern modern than the other folks. Modern. Yeah. 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 Pe- people really like him. People really like him. Yeah. Yeah, they do. We we worked with a guy uh, at Metro Traffic who would say he's atheist, but he said if I was ever going to be religious it would be with this pope. He's cool. I was yeah. like interesting. Huh. I remember yeah. he mm-hmm. said that. Yeah. But um mm-hmm. but but back to Barbara Walters, you know, I yes. a lot of a, a lot a lot I don't know about you two, but I think I don't think I'd be here without her. You know, I mean, Mm. a lot of women in broadcasting wouldn't be where we are if Barbara Walters hadn't just like paved the way, paved the way, forced her way in, broke the glass ceiling, use whatever terms you want. But she was really doing it before anybody was doing it. And just right there with the men, toe to toe, carved her own way as an interviewer, created Mm -hmm. the view, which whether or not you like the view itself, really spawned a whole other generation of of what daytime talk is. Just really phenomenal personality. And, and Mm -hmm. you know, I, of course, remember the Gilda Radner doing her (laughs) Baba Wawa impression. Even even in making fun of her, you know, when you go back and watch some of her interviews, really amazing. She interviewed every single president every single president every and single? Wow. including she wow. interviewed donald trump and joe biden although neither of them while they were president yeah so every single wow. president since she was since she started so plus you know brezhnev and, and every movie star and she used to have didn't she used to have like the i don't know if it was the oscars or there would always be like a, a special where barbara's 10 most interesting people of the year or something like that that would air on the night of the oscars that we used to look forward to she was one of a kind Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rest in peace. Well, I. Yeah. anything you guys want to say before we start wrapping it up? Not that it won't get us into another tangent. <laughs> 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 and I have to go, you know, well, earn money to put dog food on the table. What lesson can you <laughs> learn from Damar Hamlin's event this week? Like, uh, what, what have you learned? Just really quickly. Oh, boy. Treasure every moment. Mm-hmm. Don't wait for to tell people you love them or just take a moment and do a roundup of all the people you know and love and make sure they know it because, oh. wow, anything could happen. Oh, love it. How about yeah. you, Lori? It's just a great reminder of how in tragedy we can all come together, but let's not make it, let's come together without a tragedy. Yeah, yeah. that's good too. Doesn't have to take a tragedy. Let's do it during a happy place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, learn CPR in case yeah. you're ever yes. in a position to help save a life. Oh my goodness, yes. What probably saved Damar Hamlin's life. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love you guys. Yay. Happy 2023 to you. And we shall say, this is Listen and Learn or, or not. not. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New Year. Love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye.